Welcome to Connected with Emily Obey. I'm your host. This is a podcast dedicated to having conversations that matter to help us feel connected to ourselves, to each other, and to the world we live in. You'll most likely never find me on a volleyball court because I was once kicked out of a grade nine gym class for being so bad at it, the teacher thought I was fully messing with him. You will, however, find me writing books, coaching people on how to have a successful online business through effective content marketing and copywriting, and helping people heal from adversity to live lives that truly feel good and make an impact in our society. Stick around, because I ask the questions we're all wanting to know the answers to. everyone. Welcome to another episode of Connected with Emily Obey. Today we have a beautiful guest. She is a coach guide person who is named Amanda Renee. Um, she inspires me so much in terms of having all of my desires that my heart wants and seeking them out and feeling worthy and receptive to seeing that the universe is supporting me. So I'm really excited to have her on the podcast Today, we're going to get into how we know each other, why we know each other, um, and the main topic today is going to be relationships. Amanda has this beautiful marriage with a man named Matthew that honestly is like breathtakingly beautiful, and she's also got amazing friendships and family relationships, so I wanted to have her on the podcast to be a relationship expert and to dive into questions that you have. And honestly, you guys had a lot of them. So I'm excited to get into that. Without further ado, Amanda, how are you? Thank you for being here. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited to be here with you. And I'm awesome. (laughs) Beautiful. So the first question I ask everybody who comes on the podcast, because it is called Connected, When was the last time that you felt really truly connected to something or someone in a way that moved you? Um, got last night. Uh, I'm I'm visiting New York as we've talked about, and my oldest friend is here. Came out to visit me. We've been friends for going on eleven years now. Um. And we're both still incredibly relevant to each other. And we have literally, we've gone through so much, so much. Um, And we were talking last night and one of my favorite things to know about myself and other people is what's actually true. Like not what we want to be true about ourselves or any given situation, but like what is actually true. And we were just talking and connecting and she started sharing parts of herself that she hadn't before that had kind of been like, there was always this little dark room that I could feel that we both could feel that was just like, don't go there. And then we're both, we've both grown and matured in a lot of ways. And last night she was sharing more of her experience with that aspect of herself and our friendship. And it was, I would go into more details, but it's her story to share. And it was so beautiful. I was sitting there. I was like, Oh, this is my, my favorite thing is, to know people in the places that feel the scariest to be known. Um, So yeah, last night. I love that. So the truth for you is something that makes you feel super connected to other people. For sure. Especially when it's the truth that like makes everybody's hearts beat a little bit faster. Oh yeah. I love that. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. 
Cool. Thank you for sharing that. You're actually the first person who I interview so far who's, and I was so, actually I was on swings yesterday and like feeling super connected to like nature and life. And I was thinking about the podcast and the interviews I've had so far and the interviews that are upcoming. And um, I was reflecting on that first question and everybody so far who I've spoken to has talked about feeling connected to either like a godlike presence or nature. Mm. And I was like, I can't wait till the first person like dares to go to like, I felt connected to a person because it almost mm. feels so vulnerable to admit that, mm. um, that we need each other and that each other like um, inspires us to be better individuals. Right. And, and in that those truth moments, it allows us to feel like true belonging. So thank mm-hmm. you for being the first who admits that, you know, you feel connected to people in a really in-depth way. <laughs> oh, I really do. And my pleasure. Cool. <laughs> I love it. All right. So today, uh, the main focus of our conversation is going to be around relationships. Oh, my uh, favorite thing. Yeah, which is amazing. Um, I kind of wanted to share a little bit with the listeners about um, the time that I, I was reflecting on this before getting on here with you, the time that um, my ex and I stayed at yours and Matthew's place, oh, okay. um, babysitting Sophie, which is your dog. And in your, I have not been to your new place, but in your old place, there was like this beautiful canvas of you and Matthew. You know which uh, one I'm talking about? Yes. yes, we still have it up. Ah, it's so beautiful. So the picture like for for description is – Matthew and Amanda on like this cliffside or some kind of mountain mm-hmm. <laughs> moment. And the sun is like in the most gorgeous position. Everything is golden. And they're just like in this most beautiful embrace together. And you can like feel the love through that photograph. And I remember like waking up in that room and looking at that canvas and being like, I want that. Mm-hmm. And it would almost like made me emotional to witness your love sometimes because it's mm. so profound and it's so supportive. And it's like all of the things that I think everybody wishes they could, you know, have in their life in terms of partnership. Mm. Um, and I'm sure that that takes work. And I would like to know about your journey to getting to the place where you found the one in Matthew mm-hmm. and um, kind of give us just a little bit of a journey before we get into more so specifics and in-depth um, brain picking. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I love answering this question because I, I get asked it quite a bit. Yeah. And it the pieces of the story that come out are always different. So it's kind of like, I, I'm almost like a sideline viewer, like, ooh, what, what story is going to come out this time? Yeah. So, um, the for, actually, the first thing that came to mind when you were sharing, which thank you for that reflection, by the way, that always, it really means a lot to me because one of the intentions that I set long before I ever met Matthew was I want a love that is so powerful that it not only heals and inspires my heart, but every heart that it comes in contact with. Like I just, it was so important to me to have something that was bigger than just the person that I was with and I. And so every time we get that reflected back to us, like in this moment, it feels like you just became a part of a part yeah. of my vision coming true. So, um, yeah, I just, I appreciate that. I, what came to mind when you were asking this time was actually remembering the man that I was 
relating to right before there were two men that I was kind of like exploring, getting to know right before Matthew mm-hmm. came into my world, or actually in the middle of Matthew coming into my world. We went on a first date and I said that. Oh, you know, I like the story. Yeah. Yeah. We're like, so, nah, like I'm not about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I had just decided, I was like, you know, I'm tired of living in scarcity around men and thinking that if I don't feel it, I need to keep giving it a chance because maybe it'll turn into something. I was like, ugh, no, I just want to trust myself. Like I can tell if there's something here or not. And so I had decided that if it wasn't a hell yes, it was a hell no. And I'm not like stamping my name to that as like go to everyone should use that advice. But for me, it was really important to go through that. And Matthew was the first person that I went on a date with after I made that rule. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And we had an amazing date and it was great. And also I just was not a hell yes for me. And so I told him that. I was like, hey, thank you so much for the state. I appreciate how you showed up. It was awesome. I just made myself this role. And for whatever reason, it's not a hell yes. And so my intention is just going to be to be friends with you. She responded, totally. I totally get that. Yeah, I felt the same way, even though I found out later that he was like planning on marrying me from the get go. <laughs> um, of course you are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, the in between that time and when we reconnected six months later, I was dating I've gone on a couple dates with this one specific person and when I met this person I we I looked into his eyes and literally heard an audible voice that said you've finally met your match Mm. and and there we had intense intense chemistry like confusing levels of chemistry and so we went on a couple of dates but he had a lot of the same patterns as men that I had dated before And there came a point where he looked at me and he was like, I respect you too much to date you because dating me would be a battlefield for your heart. Mm. And I had dated two men previously, both of my long-term relationships that were incredibly painful for me and left me a very shriveled version of myself. That was kind of my pattern was like, get into relationships with people that for whatever, one of them was a toxic relationship and one of them just, we didn't want to do life the same way. And so I ended up this like small withered version of me by the end of it. And both times the men told me something in the beginning that I did not listen to and I did not believe. So the first one said that he didn't deserve me. And I was like, yes, you do. That's not true. And then the second one said that he wasn't ready to be in a relationship. And I was like, but we're in love, which we were. It was my high school sweetheart. So it was like, Uh we had a lot of history. Uh And so this time when I, I got to this man and he said that I was decided and I had to really actively decide it because there was enough connection there that I could have kept going to be like, this is my chance to believe that a man is telling me the truth and that he's not just like scared of a relationship and I should help him work through that. That like he's having this moment of clarity where he's choosing to tell me the truth and give me a chance to listen and turn away. And, and I oh, did. That gives me chills. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, how many times have I, uh, like, how many more times am I going to cause myself pain by not, by thinking that I know the truth more than this person who's telling me their truth does. And so I did, I walked away and he ended up still wanting to date me. And, but it felt like such a, I don't know that I believe in tests from the universe, but it felt like that, like life presenting me this opportunity to look my patterns straight in the face and say, I'm not going to choose that anymore. Like Mm. I'm going to choose to believe the truth that I get told in the beginning of a relationship. And I think it was maybe like a month later that Matthew came back into my life. Wow. 
And okay, so I have like a couple of things. First, I just want to ask. So when Matthew came back in your life, what was his truth? What was he telling you? Um, he, you know, I have, so I have um, a screenshot of a Snapchat that I took the day that I met Matthew. Mm-hmm. What, and, and on that day, hours before I met him, I had what I would call my feminine awakening, where I realized that I had lived my whole life leading with my masculine essence, my masculine energy, and got, I got a lot of good feedback from it. But I had never been able to receive strength or support from a man because I felt like I had to be all of that for myself. Right. And I have this photo because it was cool to Snapchat way vulnerable things back then, I guess, where I'm like, took a photo of my tear stained, swollen face that said, I think I just broke. <laughs> now I'm like, Amanda, why did, it's fine. Okay. But I still have it. And I love that I do because that was the first moment that I realized that I had been unable to receive supportive men in my world. Right. And then it, it took me six more months of like integrating that a little bit more fully, but that's basically Matthew was just available. Like he was super, super available to the point that when we reconnected, it was inst- I've never felt magnetized to a person like I did the night that we reconnected. Right. And he, so he called me, we were going to go on a date. He was like, want to hang out with me and my friend Paolo, which a funny aside is that since I was 14 years old and I first went to Italy, I've been saying I was going to marry an Italian named Paolo. Mm-hmm. And right before this party where we reconnected, Matt texted me and was like, hey, can I bring my friend Paolo who just moved here from Rome? And I told my friend that I was with, I was like, it's destiny. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Matt was like, want to watch a movie with me and Paolo? And I was like, sure. I was planning on moving like three weeks after that. I was like, great. I'm just going to date both of you. Mm. I was beyond the... I wasn't looking for a relationship anymore at the time. And um, he called me the next day and I answered the phone and he was like, hey, this is first words out of his mouth. Hey, I don't actually have really anything to say to you. I just really wanted to call you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, uh, that is the most blunt, honest, sweet, what, like what? He just didn't, there was no game to it from the beginning. It was like all cards on the table, which is awesome because had he not approached me like that, I would have missed it wholly and completely. And I would have just played a game and then moved on with my life, literally moving to Italy. Um, And so, yeah, we talked for like an hour and a half and he was just like, again, like all cards on the table the whole time to the point that at the end of it, we lived about 40 minutes away from each other and we were going to hang out and watch a movie on Friday. And he was like, at the end, he goes, so can I spend the night on Friday? <laughs> I was like, what? Uh, I've never had anyone just directly ask that. Like, I've had people assume it. I've had people, like, it just happened. But I thought about it, and I was in the habit at the time of asking myself what I really wanted. And I was like, yeah, okay, I would want to have a sleepover with you, but we are not having sex, which, which apparently was really blunt for him. He was like, oh, yeah, I don't, yeah, totally. So that kind of set the stage of just honesty the whole time. I think we ended up telling each other we loved each other like four days later um, because I just, um, I kept almost saying it on accident. And so I told him the first way I told her, I was like, I keep almost accidentally telling you that I love you and then I feel awkward. And so I don't say anything. And he was like, yeah, me too. And then we didn't talk about it again for like two more days. Wow. So, so I love I a love lot. lot of different things here. 
So Amanda, what I've heard of you sharing this story is that in your relationship history, you had um, this pattern of either trying to fix men or convince men to mm-hmm. um, be in the relationship with you. And for me, going through this breakup recently and moving from that into different experiences, whether that's with friends and family or other male in general, you know, um, I feel like I'm having this huge shift around believing people when they tell me what that they're, that they're capable of and not trying to say, oh no, but, or you should, or um, mm-hmm. we could, or it'll be okay. I just believe people. I'm just like, mm-hmm. hurt. like this is what you're capable of. Mm-hmm. You're telling me and I'm going to choose to believe you. And even just in that short amount of time, um, since I left California and came back to my hometown for a while, as I figure out what I want to do, um, I've had experiences where I've been around one specific man in general who has told me exactly what he's capable of. And I've let him be in that and I've believed him. And I'm so proud of myself for that because uh, the past version of me would have been like, no, no, I can like fix this. Like we can, yeah. you know, and I can help you access your full potential in relationships. Exactly. You know? And I was just like, word, like you're not available and that's all right. I'm not available either. And that's all right. You know, totally. <laughs> but yep. like, it's just been so cool to have that shift because that is so new to me. So mm. speaking about that, um, and kind of how that was a pivotal moment for you to start just seeing things as they actually were. And Mm. it sounds like because you were able to see things the way that reality actually held them in, um, you were able to receive Matthew honestly as well. Totally. Yeah. I think it's a hundred percent. One of the things that made me, cause I, had I not, I wouldn't have even literally wouldn't have been available to reconnect with Matthew. Right. So that's just so interesting to have gone on this journey in your life, kind of, I'm assuming like your teens, early twenties. What, when did you meet Matthew? How old were you? I was 20. Oh, I was 24. 24. Mm-hmm. Cool. So to me, like the man you end up marrying at 24 in the moment, did you know that it was the one, like, that's a big question that we were getting for you in terms of like social media followers. <laughs> like, yeah. how did you know it was the one? Like, how do you, you know, that is a great question. And yes. So yes and no, because we met six months earlier and not even a little bit did I know that he was the one. I was like, this guy is not the one. He's my, first of all, my same height. And I had always assumed, this is something that I do tell people a lot. I always assumed that I was going to date someone much taller than me because I'm mm-hmm. about somewhere in between 5'9 and 5'10 and like not tiny. Like it's not like I'm one of those women that you can like pick up and throw in the air with ease. And I had always felt like that. And I, one of the things I wanted so much was to feel truly held by the man I was with and like he could handle all of me. And so I just had a rule. I was like, I don't date anyone shorter than six two. <laughs> I had the same rule and maybe I should change it. <laughs> I would change it if I was you. And here's why. So then along comes Matthew and I used to wear, so I'm five nine. I used to wear five inch heels when I would go out to weed out insecure guys. No joke. I would be six two walking around. 
And so I'm wearing my five inch heels the night, the, the day after Matthew and I had met, we met on the beach at this workshop. And then we met again at this after party and I am towering over this man. And he comes up to me like he's freaking Shaquille O'Neal. Like <laughs> you would have thought he was five inches taller than me at six, two. Right. And it, that was really impressive to me. I still didn't think he was my man, but I proceeded to the guy that I dated, um, one of the guys I dated right before Matthew was six, eight, like a six, six foot eight Greek God. He was beautiful. And it was the first time that I felt physically small in another man's arms. And then the night that Matthew and I reconnected, I wouldn't say that I, I didn't know that night that he was the one, but what I did know is that when I never wanted him to take his hands off of me, because when Matthew put his hand on my waist, just one hand on my waist, I felt more held by his hand being on my waist than I had ever felt by my six foot eight friend. Like, right. and, and that's when I got, and it uh, has continued to come in layers that what, that's what I wanted was to feel like someone met me in the fullness of my being and could hold and handle that. And I just thought that that had to come in the form of a bigger body, but I felt more held by Matthew than I ever have by somebody, you know, twice my size. And mm-hmm. Um, and the, the, the moment that I knew, he says it was the moment that he met me on the beach. For me, it was our first date. We were, I remember we were making out in my hammock as he called it. He's like, let's go lay in your hammock. Mm -hmm. I thought he was joking. That's really how he says hammock. (laughs) And there was this moment where we stopped kissing and we were not naked, like nothing. We stopped kissing and he was just had his hand on my lower back and was like breathing really close to me. And my whole body got so full of love. I've never experienced anything like this. My whole body got so full of love. It felt, first of all, like I was going to explode. And second of all, I just started like tears just started streaming down my face. And I honestly didn't know what to do with it. I was like, what is happening? And I just looked at him. I was like, do you know, are you doing that on purpose? Like, do you know what you're doing? And he was like, yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. And then, so that was cool. And then the next morning, um, when we were waking up, we laid in the hammock again and both of us, it just felt like we had been together for decades, which sounds so romantic. Like Mm -hmm. stories like that sound really romantic. And what I always say is it's incredibly disorienting. Like it doesn't feel nearly as romantic as it sounds. It actually felt scary as hell. Like, yes, there was all of the like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. But also, you know, I had had a history of making myself believe that relationships were something that they weren't. And like, I was good at making it seem like it was better. And so I was really scared when I felt that way because I didn't know if I could trust it or not. And so Mm -hmm. I think I would say the way that I knew, especially for those of us that are romantic and like relationships really important to us slash grew up codependently. um, (laughs) Those ones of us, Mm -hmm. it's really important to like hold that kind of esoteric truth lightly like acknowledge it but also watch what's happening because what happened after that was that Matthew continued to show up incredibly like first of all he was like you need to buy your ticket for Italy now because I do not want to be the reason that you don't follow your dreams which I'm if anyone ever tries to tell me what to do I'm like you're not the boss of me and so I told I was like no I'm not going to buy my ticket now because I'm afraid that I'm going to change my mind six months from now that's that's a bad move in my opinion and so I'm not going to, but he just kept his heart so open because I was still planning on moving. And this man let himself totally love me, knowing that there was a chance he wasn't going to have me. And then one morning, like a week later, 
he looked at me and he was like, just promise me one thing. <laughs> this is so sweet. He's like, just promise me that if you go to Italy, cause he was also super clear on what he was like, I will not do long distance with you. Like if you go to Italy, we're not doing this because I've done long distance and I don't want to. Mm-hmm. So he looked at me and he was like, if you go to Italy, all I want you to promise me is that when you come back, no matter what, if we're both with other people, if you're with other people, I am that you'll just give me one kiss when you get back. And I was like, Oh my gosh, that's so adorable and sweet. Okay. I promise. <laughs> and uh, I ended up not moving and I actually ended up moving up in with him like two and a half weeks later, <laughs> much to my parents' chagrin. They like found out that I didn't identify as Christian anymore. And then three weeks later that not only was I not a virgin, but I was going to, in their words, cohabitate. Right. Which in Christian culture is not a great move. But um, yeah, it was, it, I wrote a blog at the time that said, I feel like I just gave up traveling the country alone in my car for traveling the cosmos with my partner, mm. which has proceeded to be true. That's beautiful. So I love the part where you share also that it sounds really romantic, um, but it is disorienting. And that oh. tip that you give around if we grew up codependent or if we have codependent tendencies to like watch what happens after those mm-hmm. moments, right? And I would say not look for signs, for especially those with a spiritual bend. Yeah, I didn't start getting signs that matter. Matthew, so on the esoteric side, I actually met Matt in a dream a year and a half before I met him. Like I can verbatim, it was him. Mm-hmm. But I didn't remember that dream until six months into our relationship, at which point I totally freaked out and was like, this is crazy. I totally yeah. met you. Yeah. But it was super important to me that I didn't remember that until I had chosen him. And like, I think that that's a piece that we leave out a lot. And that's a piece that feels really important is like, it's easy to get swept up into like twin souls and soulmates and all of these things that are like, I'm meant to be with this person. And then we end up being with someone who treats us like crap or can't show up well, just because spiritually, like they're our person. And that is something that I am not an advocate for. So it felt really important for me to yes, hold that of like, oh, I feel like you're the person that I've always felt. And I do feel it. like, I feel like I have been able to feel Matthew's essence since I was really young. I've like written poems about him. Yeah. But that is not why I chose to be with him. And I actually chose him. Cause I was like, I don't, I actually said it. I was like, I don't give a shit if you're my person or like the signs are saying like, you're just the person I want to be with mm. beyond who I'm meant to be. Like, I want to be with you. And yeah, I just, the, the human side of things is so important. And so that was another thing that I had to kind of give up was always looking for signs of like, is this my person or not? Yeah. And to kind of just, again, pay attention to reality. Yes. Like what's totally. going on right now and what has been going on mm-hmm. you know? mm-hmm. and how is this person actually showing up instead of having an idea of how they could potentially show up. Right. You have this like great romance with this future maybe version of what yeah. could be possibly true. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that kind of bridges me into my next question for you, which is, and this is a big question. (laughs) Um, what do you think and what have you found makes for a really good partnership? Like what are some like core elements that in your, both your personal experience, but also in your professional experience, because you do work with couples, you do work with people in relationships. Mm -hmm. So can you speak to like a few elements about what we could consider 
or uh, welcome as a really amazing partnership? Yes, totally. Um, hmm. When I was growing up, my mom used to say something to me that I hated so much. She would say, love is not enough, mm. which I think at this point, probably a lot of us have heard. And it would make me so mad because I grew up watching my parents. There's not a lot of romantic love in my parents' relationship. Yeah. They stayed together and I'm like, that had its own lessons for me that I'm grateful for. But I was always, I grew up in this dichotomy of like, relationship is really hard and love is really hard. And I would just hear that and I watched that play out. And then the piece of my heart that just always held on to this vision of the kind of love that was possible. I don't know where it came from, but it was there. And so she would say that and I was like, that's no, I reject that. And <laughs> I think one of the most important things for me that has been just fundamentally life-changing being with Matthew is that we have very similar values. Yeah. And I don't just mean like our moral values or what, but like, we both love geeking out about relationship dynamics. And, and that is so nurturing for both of us because in both of our previous relationships, we were with people that did not value growth to the level that we value growth. And so how it ended up feeling was our partner, my partner always felt like he wasn't enough. And I always felt like I was way too much. And like, it was like a burden that I wanted to talk about things as much as I wanted to talk about them. Whereas now with Matthew, it's like, we, we both could just go for hours and, and that's super important to us and it doesn't feel draining and it doesn't feel like a nuisance. Like both of us are super open to it. Also super willing to look at ourselves. And to me, I would say that's probably one of the biggest things that has made our relationship what it is and has the potential to make relationships great. It is like, at a core level, do you want to do life the same way? Ooh, okay. Yeah. Do you want to do life the same way? Listeners, like write that one down. That's a good one. Yeah, it, man. And it just, the freedom that comes with that versus trying to, and it doesn't, you don't have to be in the same industry or like blah, blah, but to, to want to relate to yourselves and each other in the, in the same way, that is so powerful. Yeah. Do you think that could break a relationship? Um, I know you mentioned that one of your past relationships, that was one of the main issues. Um, this, I don't know that I would fully <laughs> like <laughs> sign my name behind this, but I would almost say that I think it should. Ah, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because if it doesn't, then one or more people are making deep sacrifices like they're making deep compromises if it doesn't. And in my relationship where it broke, he, that man actually ended up breaking up with me and his words when he broke up with me were, Amanda, you live life fully alive, like a hundred percent alive. And I'm just now finding out that I've been walking around half dead and I refuse to be the only reason that you cry anymore, which I was so mad about. Cause again, I wasn't ready to believe men when they told me truths, right? When they told me truths, cause same thing with friends, like it yeah. applies everywhere. Yep. And, but we didn't, like, I wanted to, I, I am voracious in my curiosity. And like I said, like, I want to know what's actually true, not what I hope or want to be true. And that is very disrupting. Yeah, it is. And so yeah. for me to be with someone who wasn't 
a hell yes to having their life disrupted all the time for the sake of growth. Like I want to know the full extent of what's possible in every area of life. And that means like some pretty uncomfortable conversations and transitions and like not in one way, like the most stability ever because we're going to be on a path of fulfillment for like our whole lives. But in other ways, it's, it's not the kind of stability that I would say a lot of people value. And so had he not broken up with me, that would have been such core sacrifices for both of us that would have, would have ended up in damage. I guess I would say that, that it will cause damage. Whether you choose to stay together and just eat that damage and let it damage you on the inside or it ends up damaging your life on the outside or it ends in some kind of like very painful split of the relationship, it just, to me, does not feel worth it. Yeah, totally. And I'm just thinking about like my relationship to Sam, like remove everything in terms of like betrayal and cheating and lies and things like that. At the very core, like we did not want to do life in the same way. Mm. And I'm not sure if that's what led to all of what it led to, Mm -hmm. but I think that we both knew to some degree that we didn't want to do life in the same way. Mm. And we really tried though. Like we really, really tried to want to do life in the same way, but that usually ended up in sacrifice and in compromises, usually on my end, I'll be honest. Mm -hmm. Um, And that felt really awful. Right. And on his end too, I'm sure like, I can't speak for him, but you know, like that, if I look back at it, Mm -hmm. there was so much of that theme going on that we did not want to do life in the same way Mm -hmm. because I'm like, I'm very much like you. Like I want to get to the core. I want to talk. I want to, you know, and he's not like that. Mm -hmm. I tried to make him like that. And honestly, I think he tried to be like that because he thought he had to. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That really resonates with me in terms of like, um, it always ends up having one partner not being enough and then having one partner being too much. Mm -hmm. So, okay. That's, that's a great, that's a great point. So, do you have more for us? <laughs> yeah. The other one is, I think we all can appear at relationships take work. Yeah. And I am still noodling on how to describe the difference, the fundamental difference that I see in what makes that, how we can relate to that principle in a healthy way versus an unhealthy way. Because especially coming from a passive codependency, honestly, I think that that relationship principle keeps a lot of people in toxic relationships and it keeps them in relationships that are harder than they need to be. I agree. This is just like relationships are hard work. That is it. Relationships are hard work, which what a lot of people take that to mean is real. It's normal for to be in pain like 70% of the time in your relationship. Right. Under the guise of like, let's work on it. Mm. And so I think that I would put these two together that look for ease like look for ease because so if we live in a world where anything's possible and this is where I'm like, you know, you could choose something different. You don't have to choose a relationship that has a foundation of ease. If you want the hard work one, that's fine. But really it it actually is possible for there to be a foundation of ease. And yes, there is like tension and things that come on top of that, but you should not be in pain most of the time, or even I would say 50% of the time in your relationship. Right. And it definitely shouldn't be the cause of your partner. And so I, I only say that because what I'm about to say, I've seen it get misused so much and I've misused it that I prefer to qualify it before going into it. And the going into it part is 
that, yeah, a relationship is work, but it's no, it, I look at it more like it's a garden. So when you find somebody that's a great match for you, it to me is just like getting gifted this beautiful, lush, amazing garden mm. that's like fully in bloom. And there's so much of it that just feels magical and alive and vibrant. And then for whatever reason, the way most of us are taught to relate to relationships is like, great, now we're just going to walk around in the garden and enjoy it rather than continually working on it while it is still alive and vibrant. Like most of us start working on it when we notice that it's dying. And so that, that is something that is fundamental also to the contentment and like fulfillment and happiness in Matthew and I's relationship is like the weekend after we got engaged, we went to an Imago relationship workshop and every person in that room was on the brink of their marriage ending. Every one of them, except for us, which was like, so people were like, why are you going to, what? You just got engaged. Is everything okay? Actually, no one asked if everything was okay because it was obvious, but that was, that's just been one of our core values together is to not ever stop working on it. Like the same way you, if you stop working on your physical fitness, it starts to decline. Like anything that you stop putting intention into starts to decline, but relationships are kind of the one thing that we really, we know to work on them when something is wrong or we're in pain, but like we're not really geared towards working on them when things are really good. So I guess that's, if I could sum it, I would say put in the most work when things are good. Yeah. And it's like, it's not, I'm going to use like prevention almost as a word, but I know that's not a sexy word, but it's almost like, you know, why wait until you're sick to take care of your health? Like prevent it by eating well and taking care of yourself and having a wonderful holistic lifestyle instead of like having to be at rock bottom to change something. Totally. And, and then like even to take a layer on top of that is then you get to choose, are you relating to your prevention just so that you don't get sick or so that you get more and more vibrant and like, Ooh, I like that layer. Yes. Okay. Awesome. Um, I do have a question for that before you share another concept, if you do Mm -hmm. have one, um, I'm sure people will be wondering, um, how do you like, how do you lay down a foundation of ease in your opinion? How do you identify it? Like, you know, that's a great question. Um, yeah, because it's definitely, I'm not saying that because Matthew and I's relationship has been tension free. And in fact, we started a, we created a course called relational intelligence yeah. because people ask us to. And the reason they ask us to is the number one compliment that we get the most is that we fight really well. Mm-hmm. Um, because that is another, if there's tension between us, we'll just address it and it doesn't matter who's around. And in fact, most of our friends we've had, we have like basically a consent conversation with them and say, Hey, this is how we relate to each other. If there's tension, we're just going to address it. So feel free to either ask us to leave or to leave yourself if you feel uncomfortable, but we're not going to just hide it until we're in private. And so the result of that is people get to see us work through tension quite a bit. Right. And so I, I say that to say, it's not like, you know, Matthew and I have for sure had some knockdown drag out fights, but there's not a single one that I don't look back on with like a sense mm-hmm. of fondness and affection because we worked all the way through it every single time. So there's no like leftover bitterness or resentment. Um, That is a great question. <laughs> I, I think it comes down to the pain piece. Yeah. Like when I say ease, and that really is it, because we, 
there were times when, especially in the beginning of our relationship, because I value freedom so highly and he really values, values stability so highly, which is part of what makes us great and takes some working through. Um, yeah, there were some times when for sure both of our fears got stomped all over huge and our core wounds and, you know, all of those fun, wonderful aspects of relating with another human. But there was always, okay, great. <laughs> Both of us were willing to put in the same amount of effort all the time. Oh, there you go. Yeah. It was yeah. never one of, never once has one of us carried more of the relationship than the other. And I think that that is what ease looks like to me is like, are you both carrying the relationship and the responsibility for the relationship? And also looking at how much are you in pain versus in connection? And when there is pain, what is the cause of it? Is it because you're not being shown up for a while? Like, is it because there's something off and like something that I would say is on the spectrum of toxicity is happening? Or is it because something inside of you is just getting hit on that actually doesn't have anything to do with your partner. Cause that's kind of a fine line again, especially for uh, us recovering. Yes. Okay. So that was beautifully said because I think that's so common. Um, I mean, I think it's so common to have the opposite of having both partners be putting in the exact same amount of effort and not having yes. one person carrying more of the relationship. Um, can I, yeah. I want to add one thing to that. Yeah. One of the things that helped me get there that I would say for all humans, but like, especially speaking to women who have experienced caring more is something that helped me get here. And I would say is a core principle is expect a lot. Like, I think we're taught so often not to have high expectations of relationships. Mm-hmm because it's uncommon. It's not what we see all the time. It's uncommon. And I would say that that is probably believing people. And when they tell me my truth and deciding that it was okay for me to want everything that I wanted and to, ex- and to have extremely high expectations and let that be a filter for most people. Mm. Amanda, I love that you're bringing this up because this hits me personally so much. Mm. Um, I recently, and you can speak on this after Maybe I bring in my own experience mm-hmm. here for everybody to hear. Um, recently, I've been told a few times by different people, it's better not to have expectations because then you're not going to be disappointed. Ugh. And my answer to that every <laughs> single time, Amanda, is like, actually, no. Like, I want to have my expectations. You're coming at that from an angle of like, you've been either like traumatized in some way or another, really. So that you are now having to protect yourself by saying you can't expect anything from anyone because you're going to be disappointed and you can only count on yourself. I don't want to believe that that's true. I refuse to let go of my expectations. And this is true for me, both in romantic relationships and friendships. I'm someone with extremely high expectations, but I don't always feel like I'm entitled to have them. And that's Mm. something that I'm working through right now, like in this, in these Mm. moments, because um, I don't want to be in shitty relationships anymore. <laughs> like that's just the truth. Yep. And I love that you're bringing this up because, um, 
yeah, maybe you can speak a little bit on the topic of not feeling like we're entitled to have these expectations or feeling like we're going to be alone forever if we have all these expectations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that you brought up that statement because that, that is the most common response. I think it's like, if you don't have expectations, you can't get disappointed. And what I think is actually far more true than that is if you don't have expectations, you will for sure always be disappointed Mm. because you can't actually make your desires go away. Like you can do things to numb them out and you can do things to make yourself forget that they're there, but they're there. And people that live that way live with an underlying level of dissatisfaction and disappointment and they just call it normal. So they don't think that they're disappointed. I was like, you yeah, and disembodiment, I would even totally. say like, from the nervous system perspective. Yes, hundred okay. percent. And that being willing to, there was this really cool moment. Um, one time Matthew looked over at me and he was like, thank you so much for how high your expectations are. Like, I just want you to know that I really, really appreciate how much you expect of me and for us because it pushes me. So it's not like it's always comfortable or either of us is always meeting each other's expectations. But I think going into a relationship, the whole like, well, what's realistic to expect of another person? Yeah. It just, I think it is true that you get what you expect and you do have to be willing to say no to things. Like I'm not going to say it's not a filter. It definitely will filter people out, but it will also land you in a world where you look around and you're surrounded by a lot more of what you actually really want. And it's just that there's a gap in between, right? Like when you're letting go of something else, there's this scary gap where like, you're not quite where you want to go, but you're also not where you used to be. And you have to be with the fear of like, what if I never get what I want? But the options are face the fear of what if I never get what I really want? Or just decide that, you're never going to get what you really want and get okay with that. And to me, Ooh, burn. <laughs> that's like, that's fire. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I would rather risk it. And, and it is a risk that you have to be willing to take. Like I would rather risk not having something that keeps me in a constant level of suffering and pain Cause it is like there's subtle layers of, and I mean, you just came out of, you know what it feels like to be in a relationship that's not actually meeting your heart's desires. It's painful Yeah. at, at varying levels. And like when things are kind of okay, you can get okay with it, but it's still there. There's this like little gnawing thing. Yeah. It's so interesting. Cause uh, you kind of answered my follow-up question to that. Cause as you were talking, I was like, so how do people survive the gap? You know? Yeah. Um, and I think you beautifully, you, you put it in, in such a like, concrete way to face it too Mm, yeah awesome um anything else you want to share in terms of like partnership marriage because i would love to kind of get you some on friendships as well one more thing so when matt and i got married we've never publicly shared our vows and we probably i don't know that we ever will but when we got married we wrote our own vows and we were really intentional i was talking to my friend that's here with me in new york and I was telling her, I was like, you know, and I was nervous, especially how my, our parents were going to react because our vows were fairly non-traditional. And my mom just again and again is always like, that's the best. It was the best wedding I've ever been to and specifically your vows. <clears throat> but our, in our vows, we made no promises of fidelity and no promises of longevity. 
Mm. And it's not because we don't want either of those things, but it is because what our vows were, were vows of how we're going to show up to the relationship. Like one of them was, I vow to constantly do what I need to do to come to this relationship as the fullest version of myself. Mm. And, and different other, and like I vow to always consider you in my life choices, whether big or small. And I vow mm. to continually invest my money, time and energy in our relationship as our family and our careers continue to grow. And like, how we're going to do this relationship. And so I think that that's the other thing that I would say is like have specific conversations around two things, have specific conversations around what your expectations and desires are. Like, how are you going, what are the rules of the game here? Like, how are you agreeing to do this relationship together and actually get clear about it? Like have it on the table and have more than just what you're not going to do to each other. Like I'm not going to cheat on you. That is not a guarantee for a good relationship. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and then have, have conversations around the, around specifically like, okay, so I know know, fidelity is a big thing for a lot of people. A lot of people have experienced a lot of pain around it. Have really clear conversations around that. Like what's okay and what's not okay with us. But just the more specific and the clearer that you can get, and especially that was kind of one thing that just came to mind when I was thinking about our vows. Like we kind of did them a lot, a little differently than most people do. But what it's allowed is for a container for us to relate in that's super clear. Yeah. And it sounds like for the both of you, like your own definitions. Yes. Yeah. Which I guess that's what I would say in the middle is like define what relationship when in our course we teach the first module is the foolproof foundation. And we say it before you ever even, if you're already in a relationship, you still can't, but decide why you even want to be in a relationship to begin with. Like what's your, we always talk about what your why is for everything else, but like, why do you want to be in a relationship to start and not with the other person? Not like, cause they make me feel good. Cause right. that's a shitty. Thing. Right. Okay. I love that. This has been great. So I mean, can you actually just give a little info of your course? Because I'm sure people will be like, what is this course before we oh, friendship? Yeah, totally. Um, it's called Relational Intelligence. And the subtitle is How to Create a Never-Ending Honeymoon, which the reason that we called it that is because that's what Matthew and I have realized you can experience is that you relationships actually cyclically go through the honeymoon power struggle uh, stability phases. And if you're willing to fully go through it every time and like let the things die that need to die in those moments, we're, we're constantly coming back to new honeymoon phases. And so we just deconstructed the core principles and kind of systematized connection. Like we're not taught that relationship is really nebulous. It's super nebulous. And so especially for people that are like very, clear in their career and in in the rest of their worlds, but relationship has always stumped them. We just, we wanted to create something, a structure that you could learn and practice and get better at. It's like, if you use these tools and these systems, you will get better at connection. And so that's what it is. I love how seriously you guys take relationships. And I mean that in like (laughs) the most like fond way possible. Mm. Very little people, and I think that's why so many people are sick. This is my personal opinion. I don't know this to be actually, like, factually true. Um, I just think that in our society right now, after the industrial revolution, 
what has happened is that we have gone so far off of what biology, like biology says we need in terms mm. of like community, tribe, relationships, closeness, togetherness, belonging, mm. all of that. And it seems like everybody's always um, looking out for number one, success, business. Like people take business seriously. People take careers really, like really seriously. Totally. People take schooling really seriously. Mm -hmm. People take mostly everything but relationships really seriously. And I love how you guys are doing your part in the world to bring that back because I think that is like profoundly healing for, I mean, for you both, of course, but like for everybody else who comes into contact with just you guys as a couple, but also in your, in your work, taking relationships seriously. Cause we need you. that to survive. Like that's my, that's my true opinion. And that's totally. why I'm confused, like walking around the world all the time. Cause I'm like, <laughs> why does no one take this so seriously? Like mm -hmm. it's one of the most important things. It's the foundation for everything else, just biologically speaking, mm -hmm. you know? like we couldn't survive without each other back in the day. Just now we can, because we have, you know, uber eats and things like that <laughs> right yeah well yeah. and if i i know we want to get to friendships which i am super excited about and one of the ways that matt and i would talk about that was when we first started the course to help people get it was like if you wanted to be a pilot and fly a plane that like relationships are vehicles that we need to learn how to operate and we're not you actually do have to learn because the only way you're taught is through your family basically, or TV, yes. but it's kind of like, we think there's this myth that when you find the right person, it will just work. Mm. And to us, that's the same as, and then people are like, Oh, they just weren't the right one for you. And that's the same as someone who's like, I really want to be a pilot, but I just keep crashing the planes and people <laughs> being like, Oh man, you just haven't found the right plane yet. No, they'd be like, have you gone to pilot school? And if not, <laughs> what the are you doing? Yeah. Yeah, that and hits home because my dad's a pilot and he oh, teaches people to fly planes. <laughs> it's like we take, and it is true. And I think part of why people don't take it seriously is because they don't know how to work on it. And that was one of the reasons we wanted to create the course was so that there was like a clear way to work on it. Because I'm sure, I think probably more people do, but they're just, it's so nebulous and so confusing and it's been so painful that they're like, ah, whatever, I'm just going to work on my career because there's really clear what it's like, if I do this, this, and this, I'm going to get better at it. Right. And I have more control around that. And exactly. what it be. yeah, cool. I mean, that's just wonderful. So transitioning into friendships, do you think that a lot of the same foundations for partnership apply to friendship too? Or do you feel like they're completely different? What's your take on that? I personally do not think that they're completely different. Mm -hmm. I relate to my friendships. I'm a little weird in this, but I relate to my friendships in mostly the same way that I relate to my marriage. I take it pretty much as seriously other than that. I don't base my serious life decisions around like okay. I'm not necessarily devoted to them in the same way as Matthew and I are co-creating a life together. However, um, I think one of the reasons why Matthew and I's relationship works so well is because we deal with all of the tension that's there and don't sweep it under the rug and like treat the way that we treat each other and interact. And I think it's easier to sweep things under the rug in a friendship right. because we're taught, like it's weird to take them as seriously as your romantic relationship or like your romantic relationship is where you should get most of your connection fulfillment. And then friends are just there for like, you know, extras. Right. Um, or to fill time or to have a proper social life. Yeah. Or entertainment or yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. to do someone to do things with rather than other than just your partner, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So 
yeah, I would say I, I used to call, um, there's this concept of covenant that I think is in more places than just the Bible, but covenant is different than a contract in that when you make a covenant with someone, you're saying no matter how you show up, like no matter if you break these promises or not, I will keep my promises, mm-hmm. which I had to let go of for a period because again, when you're coming from um, a foundation of codependence, that actually gets really unhealthy. Right. But as the more I've come from a place of like, I know what I expect of how people show up for me and I expect reciprocity mm-hmm. in that there's still a level of seriousness to which I take my friendships that I'm like, unless you're, if you're treating me poorly, that's one thing. But if there's tension or there's like, I just don't, I'm like, no, we're not going to have a falling out. We're just going to talk about this and we're going to get through it. We're going to address, we're going to talk about the things that we're withholding from each other. And like, I was just asking my friend, I was like, Hey, do you think that there's anything that you haven't been honest with me about? And I just kind of take inventory like that in my relationship with Matthew. When we go on dates, we say, Hey, what's in between us? Or like, what's something you don't want to tell me? And just pull up the rug every once in a while and say like, is there anything under here that we need to talk about? And I do the same thing in my friendships. Like, all right, is there anything we've been withholding from each other that is causing small lacerations in our connection that Mm -hmm. will add up over time, but are kind of like so little that it would be almost easier to avoid the discomfort than to address them while they're still small. Right. And have you um, gained like stronger connections with your friendships or by doing that, or do you, or maybe this is both. Um, Have you also had falling out with people because they weren't necessarily interested in going that deep into friendship with you? I have not had a falling out because of it. I have definitely, it's a good filter for me. I think I, I just, for my friendships that have stayed, it has created, you know, like this friend that 10 years of friendship and we're still, she's one of the most relevant people to me because of that. Um, but it is a filter, right? Like I definitely, I'm, I had to recently go through, I think it was a couple of years ago. I went through what I call the friendship exodus. Okay. Tell us. Where, um, <laughs> I looked up and like all my friends had moved right either moved or gotten this new relationship it was like all of a sudden poof it was just me and that was really important for me for two reasons one because I was a person that would avoid my purpose to maintain connection because I grew up having a father that totally prioritized his work and he was so disconnected and we're kind of similar in personality mm-hmm. uh, and I was like I'm not ever going to be that to the point that I cut off just as important of a piece of me where I wasn't willing to go all in on my purpose because I was afraid it would take away from my connection. Yes. Yeah. So that's a whole other can of worms. Yeah. Um, can I have you back three times <laughs> <laughs> to talk with you anytime? <laughs> but it allowed me to realize that what I had done for myself in a romantic relationship, I had not done for myself in a friendship, which was I had decided that I wanted a relationship that totally blew my mind. That was even better than I knew was possible. And that was one of the intentions I said, I was like, I want a relationship that is better than I know how to think of for myself, which Mm -hmm. is like really throwing your line far out there. But I hadn't done that in friendships. And I was like, wait a second, I want the same thing. And I want friendships that blow my mind also, because I know how to create, 
I'm really good at creating connection. And I wasn't doing the same thing in friendship that I had done in my relationship, which was I was carrying more of the weight in my friendships in, in several of them. Yeah. Um, and whether that was because I wasn't allowing some of them, I just wasn't allowing them to show up for me similarly to how I used to not allow men to show up for me. And then some of them, it was because they just straight up didn't have the same, didn't have, or didn't want to have the same capacity for friendship that I did. Like didn't want to show up at the same level. And so with those, I had to do the same thing and start being like, okay, cause I can feel soul connections really fast. Like I'm kind of like a zero to 100 person mm-hmm. when I meet someone that I feel connected to. Yeah. But I kind of pulled back a little bit to look and see like, how do you, how does your human actually show up in friendship? And, and I'm going to choose how close I get to you based on that instead of just based on how connected on like a soul or spiritual or emotional level I feel to you. And that was really helpful for me because I do go so deep that if it's easy for the friendship for both of us to feed off the depth that I can create. Does that make sense? I feel like you probably you can relate to that. Oh yeah. You're like describing my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So pulling back from that was really helpful for me and seeing that I was like, Oh, I'm still having re- friendships with people's, po- I'm having friendships now with people's potential. And I'm no longer doing that in my romantic life, but I was still doing it in my friendship life. Yeah. And th- that's great to bring up because I know that a lot of people listening feel similar to you and I. Um, and I know that sometimes the feelings that can arise from that is, again, I'm too much. It's, it's kind of the same in like an intimate partnership. A hundred percent. Yeah. And then I know I've made a lot of my friends, uh, over the years feel like they're not good enough. Um, or like they're not showing up great or they're not, you know, just cause of my expectations being so high and my desire for depth <laughs> is, is so great. Um, and I've had to learn how to manage that and to, um, like basically what you just described as well, which is to have friendships and show up in the way that people are capable of and not based on the potential of what could be too. Right. Right. And so I still have those friends. I just yeah. know what circle to keep them in. And I then I manage how much I invest in that relationship because my natural state is to invest wholeheartedly. And yeah. so that's where I've had to be like, that is not loving to either of us. Yeah. And the same thing, like, I'm going to believe you when you show me what your capacity is. And then I, it's, and then I just know I'm like, cool. Whenever I want to just like hang out just for kicks and kind of like take a break from the depth world, then you're my person to go to for that. And then the people that I actually do keep in my inner circle, I guess I just started treating that like it was more important than I had before who was in my inner circle and, and that it was okay for me to expect, like, if you get the privilege of being a f- friends with me, because I do show up for my friends, basically like I show up for my husband. Yeah. Then you're going to have to show up like that too. And if you don't, then you, you don't get to be my close friend. Yeah. And I love that. And, um, when I first met you, I couldn't tell if you liked me or not. Um, and there was so much of like this fierce, like boundary around you that mm. you weren't going to let just about anybody in your world. <laughs> and I really enjoyed that about you. 
<laughs> in the sense of like, you know how when you meet some people and sometimes they like tell you their whole life story and you're like, holy fuck, like there's no boundaries here, right? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I know that some people don't take it like that, but I do. It's like, and I know that I share so much on social media. So people are very surprised sometimes where I don't divulge everything when I'm actually like in real life with people. Right. Because um, that's, that's like a level of boundary, right? So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It's like I, emotional like, sex. Ex- exactly. Like taking your clothes <laughs> off with everybody. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I just enjoyed that about you. I was like, mm. and I remember telling Sam at the time, I was like, I don't know if Amanda likes me, but we'll find out one day. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because you had this like really cool. Um, I don't. Yeah, I don't know if it was like an armor because I didn't feel like you weren't yourself or you weren't um, personable. It's just like I didn't have access to your heart, if that makes sense, like mm-hmm. to your full heart mm-hmm. as soon as I met you, which I thought was really w- was cool, especially like in the Encinitas community. It was like, cool. nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that reflection. I definitely that is true because <laughs> I did like you and I, that was I thought was actually right around the time that the friendship exodus was happening and I was like really taking a look at things and allowing myself allowing myself to not be friends with everyone and to be a little bit clear about just valuing my energy more and like my investment more and being like it's okay for me to be choosy about this and not invest in everyone like they're my best friend yeah and but it was cool to to receive that um Mm. yeah Mm, that's a cool reflection I appreciate that yeah because it's definitely Matthew for a while because he's I and I like this about he's like never met a stranger yeah that's what I was gonna say it was like such a different distinction between like meeting you for the first time and then meeting Matthew because Matthew uh hello like (laughs) welcome to my my family yeah (laughs) totally (laughs) And I like that about him. Like, I love that he's never been a stranger and and that is energizing for him. And it's just not energizing for me. And I just had to acknowledge that. Like, it's a drain for me to invest in a place where there's not kind of any equity. Like, I, I want for there to be equity. And when there's equity, then it's a really fueling, like, it sounds kind of cold, but really looking at ROI, like, what's the return on investment? Because yeah. I think that we have really like a responsibility to ourselves and especially those of us who are here, you know, as healers, guides, thought leaders, like fill in the blank, whatever you want to be. It's important that we are fuller and fuller versions of ourselves rather than smaller and smaller versions of ourselves because we're not valuing our energy or our relationship, life, gifts, presence in the way that we can. Yeah, I love that. This has been a great conversation. How do you feel about it? I feel so happy. This is my favorite thing to talk about in the whole wide world. Mm-hmm. So, and I love talking with you. And we are really similar in all of those things. Like, mm-hmm. I was thinking about that actually even last night. Because I'll still have moments where I feel a little shy about how much I just always want to dig under the surface with people. Even with someone like my best friend of 10 years who totally knows that about me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just love it. Like I always, and I like that about you too. And like finding, I guess that's the other thing I would want to say is just for people that feel like they're not finding anyone, like they are out there and they exist and like they will feel just as relieved when they find you as when you find them. But 
it does take a level of like having to decide that it's worth it to you to keep believing that it exists and to keep living and making choices as if it does. But yeah, it's the best feeling in the world to have like all of my close friends know, like, I'm going to ask you all of the uncomfortable things. Like, I like I just, it. I, I like it. it. And it makes me sad that I left California because you and I were like about to start this like, in, uh, like we amazing so friendship. <laughs> we were so ready. Like you had like this trip planned out. And then I was like, by the way, this happened. And you were like, holy fuck, do you want to uh, juice? I was like, no, I'm fine. <laughs> I was like, thank you though. I have some. <laughs> Yeah. I'm like, what do you even do in a situation like that? I don't there's know. Not, there's I'll nothing that you can do. Yeah, it was so sweet of you. Um, but yeah, that makes me so that makes me sad about having left California because um yeah, we were about to like go deep in our friendship. And I think I think both of us where we're sitting is like we know a little bit about each other, but we haven't gone there yet. So I was totally. so, I was so excited too. I mean it probably will come eventually, but I wished it, I wish it would have been earlier, you know? I I feel the same way. I, it will, we'll have our time. And I'm very excited to see how that transpires because it feels like, obviously I know in your world, that's kind of like not necessarily the way that you would have loved to have it be the world is your oyster, but there's kind of like, you could go in so many directions right now. So I'm, I know that's actually exciting. I do, I do feel like a sense of um, excitement. I know. Did I tell you that I felt super relieved in some way or another because um, you know, I thought it was me the whole time. And there was like this mm. layer of like, oh, wow, it, it's not been me the entire time. Um, yeah. <laughs> and now I get to get my life back, right? So totally. while it's devastating and confusing and, you know, it'll take some time to really process, there, there is that layer of like, I, I'm sure you relate to this feeling, like this excitement, like this sexiness of like what's possible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> here he'll be cracking up he was like uh yeah what's possible is like amanda's favorite question yeah i love it thank you so much amanda for being here on the podcast with us i'm sure we're gonna have you on again i'm feeling really inclined to dive into codependency if one day you'd want to come back um to everybody listening um would you like to give um, info on where they can find you online if they want to work with you if they want to read your stuff sure uh i the place that I post most of my content is just social media, Instagram. It's Amanda underscore underscore Renee. Renee is spelled R A N A E. It's a little bit different. Um, or Facebook or my website is www.makeitmiraculous.com. And I, yeah, I mean, I get to work with people basically just to create miracles in all areas of their life. So most people find me and they're like, I don't know. I just feel pulled towards you and like, I'm supposed to work with you. So that's like my favorite thing in the world. And if anyone's feeling that, I would love to have a conversation. And if anything, I just, I love when people feel a deeper level of permission to like want what they want and validate that. Mm. So if that's all that comes out of it, I'm happy. Thank you so much. If you listened to this episode of Connected and you loved it, please subscribe. It's the number one way to get this podcast out to the masses. And to everyone who needs to feel connected to themselves, to one another, and to the world that we live in. I'm Emily Obey, and I will see you next time.